the level of knowledge that you're exposed to is just immense. The professors uh, that we had on the course um, are on a range of boards um, uh, that will blow your mind. They have experience with businesses that are just, you know, um, household names and, and you have a real opportunity to, to get a lot from the course if you're really invested in it. Welcome to our first episode back for 2023. It wasn't the episode uh, we thought we'd lead off with, but um, at the end of 2022, I was lucky enough to get to Harvard Business School to do a course called Aligning Strategy with Sales. Uh, my boss, Andrew Johnson, um, who's been to many of those uh, courses or many courses at Harvard Business School, uh, thought it'd be a good idea for me to go. And turns out he was right. But since I got back, um, which was uh, about uh, just a couple of days before Christmas, I've had enough people come to me and ask me um, about the course structure, what I learned, whether I valued it, um, just general feedback on the course that I thought it would make sense to actually record this podcast and um, you know be more efficient in, in giving everyone the information uh, so it's there for those who want it. Um, I've got a bit of notes in this one that I'm going to read from periodically because there's a bit of detail and I don't want to uh, miss anything out or get anything wrong. So please bear with me if you're watching this on video and uh, I tend to look down a little bit. Apologies. So the course was called, as I said, Aligning Strategy with Sales and it's part of Harvard Business School's Certificate of Management Excellence in which you have to complete one program from each um, of the following topics within a three-year period. So those topics, they are leadership, strategy, and an elective. The elective has a range of topics um, from behavioral economics, negotiation, finance, innovation, and a bunch of others that I can't remember right now, but there's certainly plenty to choose from. So the course objectives uh, for aligning strategy and sales were to examine the critical relationship between strategy and sales activities, to discover how to synchronize your strategic priorities, and uh, to um, figure out go-to-market initiatives um, and to drive a sales team to boost revenue and long-term success. So uh, the program was designed to help us improve your company's return on investment in business development activities, to define your target customers and the best methods for reaching them, to develop account management and segment management strategies based on customer profitability, to translate your corporate strategy into sales strategy, to build and nurture the best sales channel for each product offering, to ensure that sales recruitment, development, compensation, and performance management systems support the corporate strategy, which of course your sales strategy is then aligned with, uh, to implement the infrastructure processes and cultural values critical to profitable growth, and lastly, to expand your personal and professional network. So to get through all of uh, those, we had case studies that related to each of them. Um, we had one that related to a brokerage firm that saw traditional transaction fees eroding. We had a case study relating to a pharmaceutical company that had a rocky uh, 12-year journey um, with a salesperson called Bob Marsh. Um, you know, in that particular case, his results went anywhere from so-so to really good to not so good. He had a lot of different managers, a lot of different um, strategies enacted with him to try and drive success. And that particular one was super interesting in seeing how the group of 73-odd people in the course um, thought that that company should have handled that situation. We had another one with an online marketplace in South America uh, caught between whether to focus on B2B or B2C activities, and in either case, which distribution channel to focus on. We had Komatsu, which is a Japanese, um, essentially machinery, um, heavy 
like diggers, that kind of thing for work sites, uh, manufacturer looking to move to a, an automated approach and really trying to get the business aligned with that to try and make sure the channel was incentivized. So on, we had uh, the last one I think I've got here as an example is a 3D printer manufacturer that uh, was trying to get the right pricing structure, uh, the right distribution channel, um, and making sure that that wasn't a one use fits all, but rather that each um, geographical area or each you know, market, whether that was uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Europe um, itself, America, whatever, um, had the right approach and it was um, targeted to suit each. All right, let's talk overview. So the course itself costs about 15,500 US. That includes everything apart from airfares. So you've got the, um, the accommodation, the food, um, yeah, that pretty much in the course itself, which is all you need, but uh, obviously you've got to get there. So depending where you're coming from, make sure you factor in those costs. There were 73 people in my course and within that group, you were split into groups, approximately eight to 10 um, people uh, in terms of size. And with those groups, you lived in a common sort of area. So um, those rooms would all be pretty much next to each other. And then you would have a common area that was a space to have your discussion groups, which I'll, I'll come back to in a sec. Uh, so you sort of had like a boardroom table, you had a, a big TV for presentations or a screen, I should say, monitor. Uh, and you had uh, you know, your, your coffee machine, your fridge that was fully stocked, uh, some comfortable couches for more relaxed uh, periods of discussion. And those were those were really well appointed and really pleasant to, to work from, and nice uh, views over um, parts of uh, Boston itself, which is also nice being a tourist. Effectively, uh, that's one thing I should mention too. I was there in December, as I said, it was freezing, uh, minus three or thereabouts, plenty of snow around. So um, coming from the Gold Coast, the the dress code was a bit different. The next thing I should talk about is about getting accepted. So I, I really don't know how much of this is is process versus the likelihood of not being accepted. I don't have any experience other than my own, but I know that in actually signing up, you had to detail your salary, your years of experience, your company's revenue, just a lot of um, a lot of questions to kind of determine which level uh, you're operating at in your current role and whether or not this particular course is right for you. There's, there's different courses and, and some would be a better fit for others. So um, I was accepted, but I still think they rang my boss, Andrew, and got a you know, essentially just, just hit him up to verify that what I'd stated was correct. And, and obviously he's been to some of these courses, so um, that was easy enough for them to, to do. But sometimes you might need to give a, a reference of some sort to um, to refer them to for further information. Okay, so uh, that's the course cost. That's sort of where you have to do it. That's the process to apply. Uh, the next thing was once you're accepted, you get sent a lot of course material. The portal that you have access to is set up I think it was three to four weeks ahead of time. And there is what at first glance and second and all the glances appears to be a enormous amount or an enormous amount of, of prep. So um, I'd been told a lot of um, well-intentioned lies by, again, my boss, Andrew, that it was um, extremely, it was a pretty intimidating and, and sort of um, daunting atmosphere and that if you went in anything other than absolutely prepared uh, with answers to all of the, the questions posed to you in the prep material that um, you know you would not have a good time and he'd find out about it basically. So I did not want to leave that to chance and uh, prepped my ass off, uh, I reckon probably 40 hours of intense prep. And that, that was required because um, you know I, th- I think there's, there was, I've got it written down here actually, there were 10 20-page case studies 
and each case study had about five questions. And it said, make sure you come to class with a firm opinion on X, Y, Z and ready to explain your reasoning. And so I didn't want to come into any of those lessons, um, have someone point at me and say, what do you think? And sit there just uh, caught for words. So um, I ended up with, I don't know, 20 odd thousand words and, and um, you know, some pretty, um, yeah, some sort of pretty intense moments of introspection as to whether or not I really understood what these companies were facing in each case study and, um, you know, how I would handle that, that, that process. So what I would say though, is having done the prep and, and focused on it that much, I got so much more out of the course than I would have if I hadn't taken the time to, to go through that. There were, I mean, I won't name names, but one or two other people who probably were reading the case study for the first time the night before. And just from the interaction in the class, you could see that their, their ideas just weren't as well formed. So a key piece of advice for me, from me would be if you do go to this course, take the time a week or two out, maybe even just clear your calendar and just really focus a week out on, on each of these case studies um, because they're all based in around 2017 and there's five years of real data since these questions were, were posed as to the path the company took and how it eventuated. So these aren't fictional what-if scenarios. There are actually right answers. And I mean, of course, there's always the opportunity cost. What would the other option have given them? But we do have real data. So, um, and a little tip, while you may be able to Google one or two of them and find out what actually happened, a lot of the data is anonymized um, from the company data, the, the name of the company to the people within the company to the products. So it's not easy to uh, get around all of them. So let's move to the course structure. Um, we'll probably pop up a little agenda image here. Um, we're going to plan if Remain can make that happen, but I'll talk through it as well. So each day would start at about 6.30. Um, between 6.30 and 8, there was a um, buffet breakfast. At 8 o'clock, you'd enter your discussion group. So your discussion group are those 8 to 10 people that you are living next to and have a common area you share with. Um, they're selected before the course. You don't get to choose who you're in a discussion group with. Um, but in my case, there was a really interesting mix of, um, of industries, of locations, of experience, and even positions. So uh, it did serve to give a lot of really good insights as to um, how people come at um, come to a decision whether they're used to working for a VC-backed firm, a publicly listed firm, a privately held smaller firm, whether they're you know in more of a sales um, position or perhaps more of a financial like a CFO type position uh, yeah so yeah lots of really really interesting questions posed at each other in those groups that really get you thinking and maybe questioning yourself again as to why you think the way you do so a lot of value in those once you left the discussion group you go into your first uh, probably hour and a half long session of the day which would relate to a specific case study and you would have just a lot of, of group-based discussion directed by the professor where he would really challenge people to put up their hand and say, what do you think? But then he would almost always be contrarian. Why do you think that? Yeah, yeah, but everybody says that. Well, how do you know it's right? Even if it's pretty clear to most people in the room, maybe you are right, you're not going to be given an easy ride. You're going to be given a, a pushback to some degree. So again, being well-prepared helps. After that first hour and a half, you have a little break, maybe 15, 20 minutes for a bit of food, drink, coffee, refreshment, come back into the same theater and do some more theory on the um, the subject matter that the case study was really trying to get you to think about, whether that's distribution channels, how to hire and maintain good staff, 
pricing strategy, whatever. You really go a bit deeper on that. When you break for lunch, you have an hour off and then you go back into your discussion groups again to talk about the next case study. So you're specifically talking in those uh, discussion groups about a, a specific case study. How did you answer this question? Why? Okay, you know, let's let's sort of workshop that a little bit and, and make sure that we're looking at all the right data from these case studies. That probably is something I should talk about as well, is that in those case studies, there is so much data given to you, whether it's about lifetime value, customer acquisition cost, the price point for X, the sales volume for Y, you almost have to take it all and put it into your own matrix or something that you can digest it in. A good example might be where there was a, a, a gentleman called Bob Marsh who was a um, underperforming, arguably, uh, salesperson. I created a table where I had for each year the salary increase he was given, the performance evaluation he was given, the person who was his manager at the time because in the text that can get quite confusing. If you come with a table that's very clear as to the data, then it makes it much easier in those discussion groups to go back and go, wait, actually in 98 he was with this manager and that manager gave him this increase and it just makes it far easier. But certainly in the discussion group, it's very interesting as to the data people are focused on and typically it's the data they're most comfortable with based on the role they're in or the experience they've had. So anyway, finish that second discussion group, go into your your next lesson again um, with a professor who uh, will take you through a discussion-based learning um, process around that that information. And hopefully you feel pretty well set to, to answer any questions thrown at you. And then again, little break, come back, do another session. Then you break uh, for about 30 minutes for to do something yourself. And then you hit dinner. And then after dinner, about 7.30, it's self-study time, which for me um, mostly meant uh, going to the gym, uh, which was amazing, by the way. The fitness center there is just top shelf. Uh, oh, I should say, actually, sorry, wrong. Uh, after that second session in the afternoon, you had what was called the application workshop. And that's a nice segue because that's the next thing I've got on my piece of paper to talk about. Okay, so the, the application workshops were in four parts. Um, on the first day, the, the first application workshop, which uh, I think we had, uh, it was it was your own time. You're by yourself to do this. You just went back to your room or wherever you felt comfortable uh, and had about an hour. And it was typically an hour just before you had that 30 minutes of, of time for yourself and then dinner. So the first one was, can you say what your strategy is? Um, talking about objective, uh, the scope and the advantage. So the objective would be uh, to drive, actually, I'll give you an example of the strategy that I came up with for the rural segment in Lightwire. So not specifically relating to business, but the rural segment. So our objective would be to drive long-term long-term profit per service and sub-quantity growth uh, through a relentless focus on customer experience. Our scope would be rural households in the Waikato and Bay of Plenty um, in the North Island of New Zealand uh, that do not have access to fiber um, and ideally the homeowner uh, of lifestyle properties with a family of three or more. Reasons for that, you know, more data, uh, move less, lower cost of uh, providing that service over the lifetime, etc. The advantage, uh, using fixed wireless technology to deliver high-speed and reliable internet where that is superior to alternatives. So describing what that rural strategy has always been for us um, and how really going through the process of, of detailing that really shed a light on how market movements mean that needs to be reassessed. For us, we've had Starlink emerge. We've got fiber encroaching on more areas. How does our strategy, as I've always seen it, 
really relate to the reality of the market we're now in. So that was the value I got from that first application workshop. So workshop number two uh, was about delivering value. So why why buy from us or why buy from you? Um, what benefits other than price count when customers um, buy from us versus the competition? And you had to be specific about the most important benefits for your customers and the key product service features that deliver those benefits. Um, how you assess your firm's ranking on key purchase criteria versus relevant competitors. So there, just think about coming up with a matrix where you've got you know, one to five as the, the potential scores, five being highest, one the lowest, come up with a bunch of um, service components or features, whether it's price, uh, in our case, you know, speed, reliability, whatever it is. And then honestly, and, and as objectively as you can, rate yourself, your own business, your own product, if, if you want to go that granular, which I think is the right thing to do against the, the key competitors that you face. Um, so, so now that you've done that, Application workshop number three on day three, um, are we targeting the right people and the right customers? If you now know what your strategy is, or at least has been, how your products compare to the market, uh, are you in fact positioning your service or product to or at the right people? Um, so And also through the right channel. So with the right products and services, um, do we have the right processes, uh, organization, and performance systems in order to deliver our espoused value proposition? And what do you need to stop, start, and continue doing? So that was quite uh, an introspective, thought-provoking process to go through. And it all led to day four, which was when we actually got put in a group of four people. Um, and those were not people from our discussion group, so a new group. And you basically had to say, okay, here is all of my work from each application workshop and here are the problems I've identified or reasons I don't think we've got anything to worry about and then get peppered with questions from the group. And it was super, super interesting. A good example, right, is I've always thought that Lightwire had a really strong value proposition around support. But a guy in my group, Victor, great guy from MasterCard, was explaining that at MasterCard, they see a lot of value in being invisible. They're a transaction network. People don't care how good their support is. They never want to have to use the support. They want to make sure that Honestly, no one wants to think about the fact they're using MasterCard. The moment they think about the fact they're using MasterCard, it's because there's a problem. And they look at the card and go, why is this not working? So there's value in being invisible. So are we highlighting the right, I guess, the right value set, the right feature of working with us in talking about how accessible our support is and how local it is and how knowledgeable it is? So again, not saying we're right or wrong necessarily. I'm still working through that. But it's really interesting to have those questions and unique um, assessments uh, coming at you from people with, with a completely different background. Also, I suppose if I'm honest, it was quite interesting to see how much there was in common between the way MasterCard as a network, as a, as a transaction network operates to an ISP, which I'd never thought about as well. And I, I should say that I think having access to quality people is essential and adds a ton of value, but it might be that those people the people that hold the most value being able to contact isn't in a support role necessarily, but don't know. Anyway, I'll keep thinking on that one and let you know if I come up with anything awesome. So, okay, let's move on to how to get the most from the course. Um, first of all, take it seriously. Um, it's not a jaunt. Um, the level of knowledge that you're exposed to is just immense. The professors uh, that we had on the course um, are on a range of boards um, uh, that will blow your mind. They have experience with businesses that are just you know, um, household names and, and you have a real opportunity to, to get a lot from the course if you're really invested in it. 
um, work through the templates, the application workshop, it, you know, if you invest time in that, you'll get a lot from it. Um, take bite-sized chunks as well. Like with the application workshop, don't feel like you have to analyze your whole business. If your business is big enough, it's almost impossible anyway. So take take bite-sized chunks, take a product or a feature or a a market segment and just focus in on that because if you use the process to actually understand the process you're working through, you can continually apply that to other parts of your business after the course finishes. Okay, so yeah, I was also lucky in terms of getting the most from the course. I was lucky that I got to uh, present to the the group um, on the last day, actually the second to last day, around what I had um, come up with from our application workshop. Some nice people in my group suggested to to Frank the professor that that I that I do it. So I did, and it, it was really validating uh, that as people were asking me the. The questions in the group after I presented, you know, what's your lifetime value of your clients? What's your customer acquisition cost? What's that made up of? I could answer all of those questions. And um, that says to me that we're, we're a data-led business and that's great. It was also really validating when my proposed solution and how I understood the problem was um, was agreed with by by the professor and also um, by, by the group. Now, did anyone have a click of the finger solution to the problem? No, but uh, certainly it gave me a... a just confirmation, affirmation that I'm on the right path and the way I'm looking at, you know, the lens I'm putting on that problem. So, yeah, I think I think it really helps address that whole imposter syndrome that I think a lot of us have to deal with, which I'll touch on again. All right, so what are you going to come away with if you go to this course? So in my opinion, one of the things you will most likely come away with if you put in the work, if you are really motivated to, to um, apply yourself to the application workshops and the discussion groups and the prep is you will feel a lot less like an imposter. I think everybody, in fact, I had a really interesting conversation with um, a great guy, um, Daniel, um, the other guy who lives in Australia. I was going to say the other Australian, but I'm not ready to say that yet as a New Zealand passport holder. Um, But the other person who came from Australia, um, you know, he was saying that he's he's been in some uh, pretty big industry groups with the sorts of managers and business owners and CEOs that you will often see quoted in the newspaper. And even those people... uh, state in closed doors that they struggle with imposter syndrome you know why them as the ceo do they have the ability to run these businesses and to make the right decisions and and so on and i think when those people are struggling it's fair to assume that to some degree we all are and i think if you at this course you'll realize that just because someone works in a bigger company than you maybe has a different title than you your opinions your knowledge holds a lot of value so i think you'll come away with a feeling of a lot less imposter syndrome and a lot more confidence in, in who you are and what you bring to the table. You probably get some good reinforcement of things you already know. It's easy. We we continually learn a lot of things in our jobs. We apply a lot of it, but sometimes it's a really good reminder that, hey, that thing you did two years ago, that price and positioning review, that um, marketing refresh, you know, you got to keep looking at that stuff. And you know it, life's busy. It's easy to get sucked into operational things. This course will give you a good reminder of the things that matter. They don't go out of fashion and you can't stop doing them. So that was another key takeaway. You know, and I guess I've, I've put some some key points here. Are, are our objective scope and advantage still aligned with market reality? Does our price um, match our value premium? Are our people aligned? You know, they're not, it's not rocket science necessarily. We, we know these things matter and they, they're, they're obvious questions to ask, but it's easy to forget to ask them regularly enough. Lessons learned from the people on the course, right? 
I mean, I just mentioned one with Daniel and the imposter syndrome call. I mentioned one with uh, Victor and the the comment around the the power of or the the value of being invisible for Mastercard. Um, take the time to have chats with these people. Um, you know, get to get to figure out who you um, share similarities with in your role and and who you just find it easy to have a chat with and and um, take the time to do it. There's a lot of value in that. So there's some really uh, good theory in this course too. And if you are fairly siloed in a big business. Um, you will really have your eyes opened, right? So if you're in a very focused sales role in a company of 300,000 people and you look after a, you know, a 300 person sales team across, you know, the Midwest of America or something like that, when you have marketing theory, um, you know, uh, taught to you, you're going to learn a lot. Um, likewise, if you're, you know, in a manufacturing business and, you know, sales hasn't been your specific role, again, you're going to, you're going to learn a hell of a lot. So, um, Having said that, also people like me from smaller businesses with a broader range of knowledge, um, but possibly not as deep as those subject matter experts who are siloed, are also going to just get a, a deeper level of understanding on the course topic. So, uh, definitely a lot of theory, a lot of really good stuff. I took pages and pages of notes. I've I've got so much still to work through and really sort of factor into my thinking. So, um, certainly a lot of value there. Um, as I said, too, it was just really interesting to be. Uh, in amongst people from you know, VC-backed public businesses, uh, your family businesses, uh, small shared ownership of, of private firms, and just how that 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 changed our thinking or, or would drive discussion in a group, particularly around company culture and and how we um, look at um, uh, staff retention, that that sort of thing. There was a lot of differences there. So in terms of understanding how businesses that you are yet to work within. Um, operate based on their ownership structure and priorities because of that structure, that for me was really interesting. Um, it was, of course, uh, uh, it was, of course, a course focused around uh, sales and strategy, but so much goes into that those subjects, right? We had um, people management, um, specifically KPIs, performance reviews, uh, commission structures. We had marketing, channel management, product development, price setting, a bunch of other stuff. So, um, don't be put off by the sales term. It's it's a very complex subject with a lot of elements that go together to come up with you know sales. So um, that again, good lesson learned. Not as simple as it sounds. Uh, and I can only speak to to my experience, but I, I came away with a real desire to put my templates and learning into action. Um, a lot of motivation, just realizing that um, there was so much work yet to do. You know, when things are going well in business, it can get easy to go. What we're doing works. But how do we make it work faster, better, more efficiently? What can we do to drive success? And um, I just loved the way I came out of that course, just just pumped to take that learning back into the company. And, and for me, I just felt a real, really um, invigorated and, and motivated off the back of it. So um, having said all that good stuff, any work-ons for the course? Uh, probably just one for me, and that was just the marketing component on the last day on the Friday morning. Um, it wasn't bad. It, it was it was fine. It was run by a guy, uh, Mark Roberge. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I think he was employee number seven or so, certainly top 10, first 10 at HubSpot. So the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, he took us on a sort of a marketing 101 course for about an hour and a half. If you had no real exposure to marketing inside of your current role in your business, great value for me. Uh, just It was just sort of like a introduction to marketing. I felt like maybe um, maybe it was better p- part of a different course entirely or, or something. I, I just don't know how much there was to 
to learn in that particular space. But uh, it was I only say that because it was the one part of the course that got really mixed reviews. Some people were like, oh, it's great, I didn't know that. Other people were just not at all interested in, in, in the time spent in that particular section. Um, and the only other point I would say is be ready to be challenged. Um, whether you're right or not, um, when you put up your hand to answer a question, you will be drilled to explain um, why you feel the way you do. Um, you will have the professor be as contrarian as possible. I think I said this earlier, but it is an important point. Um, and they will want to make you second guess yourself. So again, that prep comes into it, um, backing yourself, thinking really hard before you put your hand up. That's important too. A few people got caught out on that. Don't think they liked the experience. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my summary of the aligning strategy with sales course at Harvard Business School. But there's, there's so much more to say, but we only have so much time on these podcasts. So I would say if anyone has any questions, please get in touch. You're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn, of course, um, or shoot me an email at um, brendan at insightsasaservice.com. All right, so that's it. Our first episode for 2023, which is nuts that we're there, but we are. We're going to be back in two weeks with what we intended to be our first episode for the year and our first guest, um, which is uh, Peter Kajawa from uh, ConnectWise, which we're super excited about because he has a hell of a lot of expertise and insights for MSPs. So great way for us to kick off our first guest episode. Right. There I go. I got all the words out. Okay. Thanks for watching. I will see you in a couple of weeks. 